Cadence Monroe. It wasn't a question, so I nodded my head. Would you mind? He tapped at the corner of his eye. I removed my sunglasses. Suddenly self-conscious, I reached up and smoothed out my tangled hair. And the gloves, he said, nodding at my hands. I don't take these off, I said. Indulge me, he said. I've come a long way to see you. I considered refusing, but now I was curious. Who was this guy? Whatever he was doing here, I wanted to know what he had to say. I pulled off the gloves, one by one, and set them on the table. His eyes flickered to my arm, drawn to the dark red line that wrapped around my wrist like a bracelet. I pulled the sleeve of my sweater up to hide it, my cheeks heating up. It looked like a scar, and people usually thought I'd done it to myself, that I'd tried to cut my whole hand off. I'd had it as long as I can remember, but I hated having to talk about it. He smiled at me again, and my heart fluttered. His skin was perfect and smooth. He looked way too young to be dressed like a stockbroker. He reached inside his jacket pocket and pulled out a small notepad. You were admitted nine years ago, after the death of your little brother, after a court found you guilty of his murder. Is that right? I shifted uncomfortably in my seat. So much for Prince Charming. I hadn't talked about my brother's death for years. Why bring it up now? I realized I still had a smile on my face, an involuntary response to the one he'd given me, and I let it drop. For some reason, I didn't want this guy to think I was a psychopath. But you always maintained, according to court records and the psychologist's report, that you were innocent, that you were trying to save him, not push him in front of the car. Correct? Not that it did me any good, I muttered. He nodded sympathetically, making a note with an expensive-looking pen. And the reason that the court decided against you, he said, reading his notes, was that you told your parents about the red Toyota that was going to kill your brother several months before it happened, since they couldn't understand how you'd known the color or model of the car in advance, it was concluded that you must have planned out your brother's death and taken action when you saw a car that would support your claims. As the psychologist put it, you were acting out for attention and desperate to make your parents believe you by proving your lies. You were tried as a minor, you were only nine years old, after all, and they decided you'd be better off in a facility where you could get the supervision and care you needed. My parents couldn't even look at me when they said goodbye. I said, they just left me here. I felt emotions that had taken years to bury begin to stir in my stomach. Not good. What did this guy want? Why was he bringing up all this ancient history... Were they going to open an inquiry? Would they reopen the case? I let my fingers curl around my Lego necklace. It had become a security blanket of sorts. Touching it reminded me that bad things could result from good intentions. He reached down and opened the latches of his briefcase, 
and lifted it up slowly. I squealed when a gray kitten with crystal blue eyes crawled out. I hadn't seen a kitten since I was a little girl. I loved kittens. And for just a second, I let down my defenses. Before my brain knew what my hands were doing, I reached down and scooped the kitten to my chest. I rubbed my cheek against the soft fur on his back. Then I realized, with horror, that I'd taken off my gloves. I felt the warmth of the tiny body through my pale fingers, and that's when I saw the vision. My face scrunched together, trying to block it out, but it filled my brain until nothing else existed but the kitten and the hammer. The strong blows crushing its poor little skull. The blood. I yelped and dropped the kitten, my heart pounding.